Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to our service this morning. First song will be We Shall Assemble. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion. Unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We sing the song of the shall bow down on bended knee, and with the angels up in heaven, we'll sing the song of victory, glory and honor and dominion, unto the Lamb, unto the morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to Stroudsville Church of Christ. I'd like to extend a special welcome to our visitors. We want you to know that you're our honored guest and we invite you to come back and worship with us as often as you can. If you are visiting with us this morning, would you please fill out a visitor card from the pew in front of you. You can put that in the collection plate as it passes by. We'd like to have a record of your attendance. I'd like to remind everybody of our scheduled services. Our Sunday morning Bible study begins at 9.30. Sunday morning worship is at 10.30. Sunday evening worship is at 5 p.m., and midweek Bible study is Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I'd like to con- congratulate Becca and Ricky Lacombe on their son, Carter Richard Lacombe, who was born Thursday evening, 8 pounds, 10 ounces. Everybody's home and, and doing well. Also, congratulations to Warren and Judy. There is a sign-up list for host of our youth activities in 2023 for our youth um, on the Youth Bulletin Board. The next area-wide youth devo is this afternoon at Cooperstown Church Christ. This begins at 5 p.m. The bus will be leaving the church building at 4.30. If you would like to ride to the devo, if you have any questions or need more information on this, you can see me. The Secret Sister Reveal Luncheon will be Sunday, January 22nd in the Fellowship Hall following morning services. Please contact Shannon Garrett if you're unable to attend. Congratulations to Travis and Christine Gupton on their wedding on October 8th. Uh, to celebrate their marriage, we're having a gift card shower since they live out of town. A table set up in the foyer for you to place your gift card. Please have your gift uh, on the table uh, by next Sunday, January 22nd. Our calendar planning meeting will be Sunday, January 22nd at 6 p.m. This is following evening services. If you're unable to attend, please let Brian Albright know if there's anything that you wish to be placed on the 2023 calendar. 
And finally, the uh, Pick and Ribs fundraiser for Lywood Christian Camp is Saturday, March 4th at 6 p.m. at Trenton Crossing Church of Christ. There's a flyer uh, on the bulletin board. Also, there's information in our bulletin. If you do need uh, more information or, or would like to purchase tickets, please see Noah Eastland or Dale Murray. That concludes our announcements. We'll now have our reading. Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for his sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Psalm 4, opening prayer be number 478. 478. No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, all will be gladness, when we shall join that happy band. No tears. Tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be known. Glory is waiting, waiting up yonder. Where we shall spend an endless day. There with our Savior will be forever. Where no more sorrow can dismay. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. No 
which is in heaven will be known. Some morning yonder will cease to ponder o'er things this life has brought to view. All will be clearer, save one's be dearer, in him where all will be made new. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. Another day we come together and worship you and sing praise to thy name and hear a portion of thy word. Preach to us in spirit and in truth. Father, we're thankful for the sunshine. Father, we're thankful for the weather and the change of seasons that we know is coming. Father, we may, we're so thankful for your wisdom that, that you came up with the four seasons. And Father, we, we look forward to each one as it brings a, a different aspect to our lives. Father, we're thankful for the work going on here at Stroudsville. We're thankful for the elders. Father, we ask that you guide them in a way that your word may be spread throughout this region. And Father, that they lead this congregation the way this should go. We're thankful for the deacons and the work that they do. We're thankful for each and every member here and that come and worship here. And Father, that uh, keep your name alive in this area. Father, we ask now that you be with us through the remainder of this service. Be with Brother Tom as he brings our lesson to us. May we take a part of it to, to our lives and, and apply it as, as we will. Father, we're thankful for the Jesus that died on the cross and forgiveness of our sins. And Father, we pray that we found faithful that we are given a home with thee in heaven. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bear in mind, the Lord's Supper will sing the Lamb of God. Your only Son, no sin to hide, but you have sent me from your side to walk upon this guilty side and to become the Oh, God. 
precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I was so lost, I should have died, but you Christ, the Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in His precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of This morning, as we uh, get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, I would like to just go over uh, the three R's that I think of when it comes to the Lord's Supper. First off, the first R, remember or, or reflect. Uh, the most important R, most likely, as uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. That we think back to the cross, to the bread, his body, the blood that he shed for our sins, that uh, terrible, painful, brutal death that he did so that we might live with him. The second R, reverence, respect. As you sit there in between the the time that you get your bread or the juice, and after you partake of it, you have that moment that you can sit there and you reflect back on the cross and you can pray. Pray thanking God for what he did. Show that respect to Jesus and that selfless act that he had, the most selfless act that has ever been done, give him the respect he deserves and thank him for that. And then last of all, one that you don't typically think about for the Lord's Supper, but rejoice. Um, growing up, my mom had a saying, Any, uh, anything that you did a lot of uh, that you could easily, you know, monotonously do just... Uh, get set in your ways, like going to school, going to church, doing a service project, anything that you have to do. She would always say, you don't have to do it, you get to do it. And I think that uh, that really applies to the Lord's Supper. We, Even though we're commanded, we don't have to take the Lord's Supper, we get to take the Lord's Supper. That's a blessing that we get to come together, break bread together as a group, and remember the sacrifice that he had. Rejoice that Christ died for our sins. Rejoice that in Genesis it says it was a small bruise on the hill of Christ, but a blow to the head of the devil, that we can come here and remember that. 
So think of the three R's today as we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you just remembering, uh, giving reverence, and rejoicing in the sacrifice that you made on that cross. Now as we partake of this bread, please help us to remember that body that was broken for our sins. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please bow. Once again, Father, we come before you, remembering that perfect, that innocent blood that was shed upon the cross, that blood that cleanses us. For we know we make mistakes, but it's within that blood that allows us to have a hope of heaven with you. Please be with us now as we take this cup and remember that blood that was shed for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, the elders see fit as uh, this is a good time to give the contribution. Please bow. To Heavenly Father, as we come before you one last time, uh, we, we thank you for all the many blessings you give us. Uh, we have way more than we ever need. As uh, we give back a small portion of what you have blessed us with to help further your kingdom, please help us to give back in a cheerful manner. Thank you once again for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd like to mark your songbooks or song of invitation after lesson be number 560. 560. Four lessons stand and sing number 479. 479. I'm satisfied with just cards below a little silver. And little gold, but in that city where the rest will shine, I want a gold one, that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, in that bright land where we'll never grow streets that are pure as gold, though often tempted, tormented and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow of stone, and though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me I'll match my own. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander. But walk the streets that are pure as gold. 
lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in such a city. I want a mansion, a room and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander, but walk the streets that are purest gold. Please take it, please. Good morning. Good to see everyone here today. Wanted to say a special thank you. Make sure y'all can hear me all right. Special thank you to those of you who are visiting, maybe you're a guest from out of town or visiting from another congregation. We're glad you're here. Hope you'll come back and, and continue to worship with us. We are doing a lesson series called God's Great Nature. Basically, we're looking at the attributes, the character of God, the things that make God who He is and why that is so wonderful for us and great. I like reading as we begin each of these lessons. From Exodus 15, the Song of Moses, this is just when God parted the Red Sea, the Israelites passed through, watched the Egyptian army being destroyed. And then the Israelites, early in their journey, talk about God. Who is like you, O Lord? Among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. At that time when they observed this incredible miracle, they saw his power, his compassion, his providence. While, in fact, he was leading them in a very um, difficult journey through the wilderness, testing their faith, they could still see God's power and his provision. Very quickly, let's review what we've talked about so far and then our future topics. That basically that God has always been. He's never had a beginning. He will never have an end, unlike us. He is a spiritual being. He's sovereign. He's holy. Then we talked about the three omnis one Sunday. He's a God who's immutable, a God who never changes. He has all truth and all wisdom. Today... Starting in our second page, we're going to talk about a God who is a good God, a God of goodness, and what makes God good. He's a God that's full of grace and love, foreknowledge. Our last lesson will be on a God who is a righteous God, but yet one who will execute wrath for those who are disobedient and not uh, complying with His word. One of the first things I do when I look at attributes sometimes is I go to Merriam-Webster, and I thought this was a little oversimplistic. What is goodness? The quality or state of being good. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So what I chose to do after I looked at Merriam-Webster, I went to some synonyms that the book also listed, and some of those synonyms I can relate to. For example, if you think of the goodness of someone or the goodness of God, it's his character, that he's a righteous God, decency, honesty, 
uprightness, integrity, morality, virtue, or virtuousness. All of those things describe a God who is all holy and loving. But think about it for just a moment. Maybe this has never really entered your mind. You have an all-powerful entity or being who has always existed, who spoke the universe and, for that matter, all plants and animals and mankind into existence. Aren't we blessed that he's good, that he's not evil, that he's not a dictator, that he's not power-hungry, but yet his very nature is love, and he's perfect in all ways. And I'm thinking, that's pretty fortunate for us, his creation, that he is a good God, a good entity, a good being who cares for us. I want to share something from a writer at a Christian website. And this writer talks about the goodness of God, and I thought it was worth sharing today. His, that is God's intentions and motivations, are always good. He always does what is right. The outcome of his plan is always good. Then he references Genesis 15:20. There is nothing unpleasant, evil, or dark in God. That's gotquestions.org. So let's look at some scriptures today if you want to jot these down, if you're taking notes. Our first scripture very quickly is Psalm 118 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I think we, we've got a song. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, he is good. I love that song, and sometimes that'll be in my brain all day. It's a great song, Psalm 118. Psalm 34, verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 119, the longest single chapter in the Bible, written about God's word, his statutes, his precepts, his law. Listen to verse 68. You, the writer says, are good. And do good. Then he says, teach me your statutes. I want to learn your law. I want to learn more about you and the the commands you've given us. Because you're good, God. In the third epistle of John, in chapter 1, John writes, Anyone who does what is good is from God. So if you want to be like God, then duplicate. His goodness. Observe his character and his relationship. See how he's good. Church, imitate that. Be good like God. I appreciated Noah's reading earlier this morning in our little Devo. Noah read from Romans 12, the first verse 9 that he read. It says, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. Now I want to shift to Luke 18. This is a real interesting interaction where this young man, I'm thinking he's fairly young, he's amassed a huge amount of money, right? And he has property and slaves and and livestock. And so he's called the rich young ruler. And a ruler asked him, good teacher? And I thought, okay, fair enough. Here is Jesus who claims to be Messiah. He's been the perfect child. He's grown up to be the perfect young adult. It's probably a fair thing to call him good, right? Good teacher. 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, verse 19 I've always found kind of interesting because you realize what Jesus says? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Well, it's not that Jesus was not saying to the man, I don't want to be referred to as good. Rather, what I see Jesus doing in this case is deflecting. He's a man, he's a a person in a body of flesh who says if there's anything good, let's give the credit to God, right? He's almost saying, I'm here for a reason. I was sent by the Father, but don't call me good. Let's all call him good. And I appreciate that fact about God. And it, it is kind of interesting Should not we, as followers of Jesus Christ, when somebody wants to praise us or tell us that we're good, should we not do the same? If there's anything good in me, it's because of Him. He's the one who's good. He's the one who's great. He's the one who's holy and perfect. I, on the other hand, I have my flaws, right? Jesus is saying, if you want to see someone good, if you want to observe perfection, then let's give the credit to the Father. Now, we know Jesus was the perfect example. He never sinned. He was always uh, correct in, in what he said and what he did. But I appreciate the fact that he gives the credit to the Father alone. So as a man, Christ wanted to give credit to the Father. Now, this rich rich young man, we know that he went away sorrowful because he had lots of stuff. And so Jesus said, "If, if you want to do the right thing, give away all this possession. Sell these possessions and give the money to the poor. He went away sorrowful because he had a, a lot of possessions. And so I wanted to just share something that Paul tells uh, Timothy about the rich. So, speaking of rich people, listen to Paul, and he instructs his young mentor, Timothy. So, if you want to open your Bible, this is in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I've got the text here. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 6, verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Verse 18, listen to what he says. If you happen to run into a rich person, Timothy, tell them this, they're to do good. To be like their father in heaven. Then he adds, to be rich in good works. To be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, it's interesting. If you think about it, what Paul is saying to Timothy is being wealthy is not necessarily wrong. It's not a sin provided you focus your life and use those resources God has blessed you with to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share. So these are things that pleases God when he sees in us rich life full of good deeds to be good like the Father. 
Now, one thing I want to share about you uh, today that's important about mankind, uh, about the world, and that is that what the world calls the good life, right? I want to live the good life. What does that really mean? We know what it means, right? It means that you probably have a vacation home on some small island in the Bahamas, right? That you have a big power cruiser worth millions of dollars, unlimited amount of clothing, all the vehicles you can amass and put under your barn somewhere. That's the good life, right? Lots of money, all the food and wine you can can imagine, servants in your house, a mansion to live in. That's the good life. Well, I just want to say that that good life that the world craves, that doesn't really bring joy into our lives, right? Is the good life really so good? Does the good life shield people from problems? I don't think so. Because I believe true joy will come into our life. It will preserve our soul if we turn all these things over and say, God, they don't belong to me. They belong to you. I'm just a steward of what you've given me. Let me focus my life, Lord, not on things, but on people and on sharing the gospel and saving souls that are precious in your sight. Let me use these blessings, God, to give away these things that I have amassed in your name. To be good to people. To be rich in good works. And so remember that the good life, as the world defines the good life, it doesn't bring joy. I might make you happy for a little while, but I think ultimately those things drag us down. They preoccupy our minds and our hearts. And so if we dedicate our lives to doing good in the name of God, that's a wonderful investment that will bring eternal benefits. Think about that. So how is God good? We ask today. How is God good? And I just want to share with you a a few things to think about over the next few minutes. First of all, God cannot and will not ever lie. One of the saddest things that I've observed in society, perhaps more recently, when you bring up the Bible, people will say, well, that's just man's record of what they think God said. How do we know the Bible is accurate? Well, we know the Bible is given to us from God, and it's perfect and good, and it leads us toward eternal life. If we observe it, if we follow it, if we trust Him, and if we yield our will over to God, then we know God will give us the best thing for us, especially leading us toward eternity. God is good in that He has never lied. He has never misled. He has never caused us to do something that hurts us but only spares our soul and disciplines us for good. So remember that God does not lie. Secondly, God has never sinned, ever sinned. No evil thought comes into his mind. He does not create uh, other people to, to be sinners intentionally. That is the choice that we make. 
And so think about that. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, when He walked on the earth, He never sinned. He resisted that temptation. And the devil delighted in trying to get Jesus to sin and was quite effective as He is with us. Yet God and God in the flesh never sinned, ever. So turn, if you will, to James chapter 1. I'd like to spend just a minute reviewing this passage. James 1. I'll give you just a minute to get there. I'd like to hear those pages turning. Let's drop down to verse 13. Actually, let's go up to 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted. Now remember that that James is not saying, let no one say if he is tempted. He says, let no man say when he is tempted. Every single person listening to these words today will be tempted. We won't always be tempted in the same way. You see, I think the Satan, he observes your life. He looks around at how you interact with people and what you crave, what you desire. And so he puts those temptations in front of you. Your temptation and my temptation may be different temptations, but they're all there. And so when... We are tempted, verse 13, we should not say, I am being tempted by God. Why should we not say that? Then he explains, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's allured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I think that means both physical and spiritual death. So the key idea here is that God cannot be tempted. And he won't tempt anyone. That's borne out in James chapter 1. Secondly, God always tells the truth. Were you ever caught in a fib when you were little? Maybe reaching in the cookie jar... You told your mom that you hadn't had any cookies, but you knew you had. Most of us have probably been caught telling a fib, doing something that was not completely truthful. But God always tells the truth. Always. It may not be what we want to hear. It may not be the instruction that we were hoping for, but he commands us to do what we need to do, and he will tell us the truth. I appreciate the fact that God, in His goodness, in His incredible love, always tells us the truth. If God's Word says it, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. You can observe it, follow it, and know that you'll reap the benefits of following His truth in the Word of God. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, His basic nature is a nature of love. God is definitively love. That is who God is. It is what He is. And so if you want to see love, observe 
God. If you want to be loving, then love the world like God loves us. How much does God really love us? Well, it involved an incredible sacrifice. And I know recently we've had people that put on Jesus Christ in baptism. They confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior were washed in the waters of baptism. They made that good confession, but they realized this Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth. He lived, he taught, he led by example, and ultimately gave his life on the cross. That is love. Not that we loved him, but he first loved us. And he gave his son as a propitiation, that is a price to be paid for our sin. And so I want you to understand today that if you want to be good, then don't lie. If you want to be good, don't choose to sin. Be like God and don't sin. Avoid sin. When you're tempted, then turn your temptation, your trouble over to God and ask Him to help deliver you. We know that God provides a way of escape anytime We are tempted, not by God, but tempted by the devil, an enemy of the Lord, one who pitted himself against God. And there will continue to be a power struggle for how many people can the devil win over in his army who is led against God? Let us be on God's side. And when we are tempted by that devil, that serpent of old, then let us turn to God to help us. You see, because God always tells the truth, we should also be truthful with others. Even if we have to admit that we've done something wrong or confess our sin, to come clean, we know that it's better to confess that sin openly and always seek the truth. Share the truth, share it in love. His basic nature is always love. We see the love of Jesus Christ when he came, God in the flesh, and died for us. Finally, I want to close today with just a couple of thoughts, and that is, let us, like God, be good. Think about what you can do to let your light shine around your neighborhood, in your personal relationships, even with people who are trapped in sin. Be good. Be loving. Tell the truth. But realize to be like God, then we must also choose what is good. As the scripture was read by Noah earlier today, hold fast to what is good. Always choose good over evil. I believe that God is pleased when we show that goodness toward others. When we choose to sacrifice ourselves, when we choose to give ourselves away in service to others, that pleases God because God is good and he wants his children be good as well. I want to summarize three points today, and our lesson is done, and it will be yours. First, I just want to ask you, how are you doing in the category of goodness? Are you being submissive to God, following His Word, being obedient? Are you engaging in sinful practices, a willful engagement, where you choose not to do good, but you choose evil? Maybe in secret, You're involved in something that you know is wrong. And may I suggest to you today, if that is the case, then by all means, repent. Repent. Confess. 
turn to God. So we began our lesson today by looking at several scriptures on the goodness of God. He is good in every way. There is no better example of goodness. We talked about the world's definition of the good life, often very materialistic, self-serving, where we're at the top of the food chain. We have it all. You see, that good life, I believe, will not compare to God's goodness. The good life, according to the world, will not give us a deep sense of satisfaction and belonging. It won't bring us joy. So let us perceive and understand the difference between the good life, as the world defines it, and being good as a follower of God. You see, what's interesting about Christianity, church, when we give up everything, we have not lost it all. In reality, we've gained it all because we're now focusing on the things that matter, the things that are eternal, God's kingdom. When we give up material things with the intent purpose of focusing more on precious souls, studying the Word of God, and doing things that lead toward our eternal life, then we've left the things that are temporary and have now focused on the things that are eternal, things that are truly good. And so I challenge each of you to take an inventory in your life and say, am I pursuing the good life as the world defines it? Or am I pursuing the good life as God defines it? Am I becoming a servant, a vessel? Am I giving up things for the purpose of God's kingdom to focus on the things that are truly important to God, our loving and good creator? Understand the difference. Challenge yourself to be focused on the things. Build your life on the rock, not on the sand. When we no longer follow God's example of what is good, and we follow the desires of our own heart, that's when we get in trouble, church. Evil comes into our life. We invite it into our life. And we begin uh, courting the things of the world that lead to the loss of our own soul. So let me end today by just simply saying this. Focus on God's goodness. Realize that the goodness that God offers us is much better than the good life. Finally, let us follow God's word. Let us not listen to the desires of our heart and allow the flesh to control us, but let us do what is good according to God. Today we want to invite you. Maybe there's someone out there that's struggling with this very thing. In your mind, in your heart, you know that maybe you've gone down a path that is a path of the flesh, a path of the world, and not accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish in your life. So we ask you and invite you today to reflect on that. Come while we sing this invitation song. Brian's going to lead us. And do what is good. Be a good person. Be like your Father in heaven. Let's stand and sing together. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have alluded my sight. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free, Jesus, great.
of you for being here this morning. I'd like to invite you to be back this evening, five o'clock for evening worship. Any other final announcements? Not our closing song will be number 669. Father, take my life. Father, pray together. Holy and righteous Father in heaven, thank you for life today. We, we're not worthy of the gifts that you uh, so lavishly and generously give us. We pray that you will bless us with a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you will fill us with the light that leads us to you, that you will and mercy and patience that you 
are never failing in. Lead us to take out those things of our lives that compete with you and that we would please you and feel the joy of your presence. Give us brightness in our hearts that the world may see and understand that there is a home in heaven for those who give up their lives for you. And we want to be the first fruits of your salvation. Give us the strength to be grateful and loving to those who are lost, that we may lead them home as well. We ask in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.